0: Welcome to Pros and Cons, a podcast by writers for writers, brought to you by Precipice Fiction. Precipice
1: Fiction would like to acknowledge the people of the Eora and Dora nations as the original custodians and storytellers of the land this podcast was created on. Hello,
0: everyone, and welcome back to pros and cons a podcast by emerging writers for emerging writers because sometimes we feel like pros and sometimes we feel like cons and there are people sleeping right now so i'm gonna be speaking in asmr mode and today we're gonna be speaking about ai for those that don't know that stands for artificial intelligence and we're (laughs) yes some (laughs) people you know you never know you never know Um, the big uh elephant in the room in a lot of industries right now. We're going to be looking at the elephant and talking about the elephant and how big its ears are and all those Mm. great details. Mm -hmm. And today I'm joined by Patty Boyland.
1: Hi, I'm Patty Boyland. I'm a technical writer, editor, creative writing teacher, and sometimes I find the time to write fiction.
0: That's right. And we got Allie Burnham.
2: Hello, I'm Ali. I I was super impressed by your intro, Patty. You did that so smoothly. Oh, thank <laughs> you.
0: I've been racking so them good. up lately,
1: so you get you get into
2: habit. Oh, very good. Mm. Um, I am a screenwriter. I also write in prose. I'm a full time creative producer. What that means is I help program creative uh, writing classes and opportunities for emerging writers. Is my day job. So I'm always in in and amongst it. Is that when I'm you hosting do... writing? Yeah, that that's what I actually. Right, do. okay. <laughs> that's my Wednesday's <worst> job. <laughs> um and and hosting workshops. I'm hosting a NaNoWriMo workshop in uh, just before November, which is a lot of fun uh to get people inspired in writing. Um and relevant to today, um I am appearing at a panel at Sydney South by Southwest. And the actual topic of that panel, so you get like a sneak peek of the talking points today Mm -hmm. is um ai in and how technology is shaping storytelling uh so Mm. i'm excited to give the the for those who can't make sydney south by southwest this is like a mini podcast version today isn't that exciting
1: yes
0: it is Uh, and i'm phoenix uh, i'm a freelance editor um, prorated editor on fiverr as well as founder of bent light writing which is um it's a collective of copy editors uh developmental editors all that as well as um authenticity readers who read works to make sure that they're representing well different groups of people from different experiences and different backgrounds um as well as I'm an agented children's book author, and that's about it. Got nominated for a Aurealis Award. That happened too, onto this elephant. So, Chatbot GBT released an early demo on November thirtieth, twenty twenty-two, uh, and is now basically an entity out in the world is more or less a household name. Um. As kind of the, at least in my world, it's like if someone told me to name an AI generator, an AI tool, Chatbot GPT is the one that comes to name. But obviously, there are a whole bunch out there right now. ClickUp, uh, Jasper, Grammarly, Go—those are a few that I found when I started googling them. But they're all over, and there are tools for a plethora of different things, uh, from like large-scale data analysis, and then obviously some of the ones that have been creating some splashes. And you know what, I'm gonna say that with a grain of salt because they might just be splashes for me because it's my industry, but uh, in the creative world in terms of generating creative content, both uh, in a visual medium like image generation as well as video generation and text generation. um, And that's mostly what we're gonna be focusing on today. Yeah, what does this actually mean? What does it feel like? What are people, how are people in specifically the writing industry responding to this? What does look like in the editing world what does it look like in submission world publishing world what what is it currently presently doing and that's what we're going to jump into so i wanted to i'll throw it over to you guys i don't know what are your what are your first impressions we'll start with that of what's kind of going on with ai today sure. what where, where have uh where have you bumped up against it or presently embraced it i don't whatever it is
2: mm, no that that's a good way to pitch it where where have we come across it so far. So mm. I uh with the panel I'm hosting, the reason I'm part of that space is because of my work on Metropius. Uh and Metropius is in an interesting space because they were already experimenting with um kind of the animation side of things, leaning into real-time gaming. And AI is a very interesting tool in where that's going. Um, so I, I'm i just a fly on the wall writer who's kind of watching that space as the writer on the team as they're, mm. they're thinking about how can we create a user-led experience in game if the AI is the tool uh, we help generate real-time content. An example of that is, so say you're playing a big sandbox video game, Um, At the moment, there is some rider that they would have chained to like the bottom desk in the basement who comes up with lines and lines and lines and lines Uh, of just uh, little bits of dialogue uh, to feed into all the NPCs that you might bump into throughout the game, just to try and make it feel like a big open world experience. But uh, if anyone's ever played one of those sandbox games... Um, that big open world experience does fall down when the dialogue starts to feel same-ish. Eventually you start to hear hear the repeated interactions and even after Mm. a while the models you bump into are clearly just like palette swaps after a while. Uh, So where the tech is going in terms of real-time AI-generated content for like sandbox gaming is it opens up the idea of more variety the dialogue would be written by an ai so every interaction with an npc is unique and can would never be repeated and mm. the even the model you're interacting with is a unique looking model that'll never be repeated
1: and only occasionally says something really racist
2: yes
0: <laughs>
2: no that that's a really good point i i will pause to address that cuz i think that's really interesting now that we've we've dived into it so i'm part of the australian writers guild and only about a week ago they released their formal like manifesto here's our paper addressing um mm. the australian writers guild stance on it um and they're quite aware that the gaming is the more harder space to for like a better word like monitor legislate because it's just moving so fast faster than it is in film and tv and one of the things they're calling for is any game released to the public that has that ai generated content would automatically have a, a an 18 plus r rating um to as you just mentioned patty safeguard against mm. we don't know what the robots going to spit out in real time yeah. mm-hmm. um and and so the first thing that does that makes it less financially interesting maybe for all the small companies that were going to jump on it straight away because they would have seen it as a money-saving tool cost, but then they're like, oh, wait, but if we're putting out an R-rated game, we might not make back as many sales. Mm. Um, So it it becomes an economic question the moment these games are legislated to have an 18-plus rating. So I thought that was interesting, but I, I suppose my personal take on that is... Um, at least for me, the most toxic and R-rated experience I've ever had in big gaming is usually when I've got a headset on and interacting with humans. Um, And humans are usually the more wild part of gaming than any content I've bumped up against. Um, And and it is interesting, though, I would argue that the tool that might save us and be the moderator of those things is probably going to be an ai you would train an ai to be the bot that moderates text moderates Uh, out bad content like i think we we don't realize how much facebook instagram uh, the company i'll keep calling twitter and won't call anything else um uses (laughs) ai already to that saves us from the worst of humanity <laughs> and the stuff that people mm. would just be posting online. It's actually AI is what's already modding all that stuff out. So yep. it, it's interesting that the guild put forward that the AI has got to generate awful stuff, but it's humans also generate awful stuff. And mm. I, I thought that was just an interesting uh, talking what's point funny? that the AI mods pro- already save us from human content. <laughs>
1: I feel like when AI does it, though, it seems more egregious. There's, I mean, self-driving mm. cars, right? For a long time, we've been talking about like, but what happens when it hits a pedestrian? And obviously that's a problem, but people hit pedestrians a lot. I, like, mm. I think there's, there's talk about like an AI generated, no one knows for sure, but like an AI driven car is likely, going to be a lot less likely to get into a collision. But when it happens, it's going to be front page mm. of, Every single yeah. newspaper online article. Yeah. Whereas, if it happens from human to human, that that's fine. Um, I mean, human this era. is excuse yeah. yeah, exactly. AI error seems more egregious. We hold it to a higher standard. That may, maybe we should.
0: It's because we're all we're all waiting for it. We're all like looking yeah. for it to happen. Because uh, good point. It's it's that nightmare that we've already created for ourselves. So we're kind of waiting for it to happen to yeah. prove to ourselves. We're kind of like. You know we have a bunch of post-apocalyptic material about out there around AI, so we're all waiting for. We don't we? We <laughs> just want to point our fingers at it and be like, "See, we told ourselves. We told ourselves." We I, I think you really I think there well. is that.
2: That's it. <laughs> I think there is that economic element as well that the AI yeah. is product. If it's been sold, it's been purchased, mm. and mm. then if the thing we've bought harms. Huh? harms us <laughs> that's just not mm. good uh both as a commercial strategy or as um i guess something we we want to live with uh yeah. so we we want to legislate and protect against that
1: google doesn't own all the drivers in a given city yeah <laughs> yes
0: i guess that, that's a big part of it is the like you said it's an automatic r rating because we can't predict what it's going to say it's yes. a product yeah. that has an unknown element to it so it's like Even though we hurt ourselves on products all the time, it's, it's this (laughs) fact of like, well, you didn't promise me blah, blah, blah. It's, there's a lot of easy space to sue for better lack of a words, even if you're not Mm -hmm. suing at least kind of have that mentality
1: where we've come across AI. What I think Mm -hmm. is interesting is we don't know where we've come across AI, We notice it when it's bad. We notice it when, like, the person drinking the cappuccino and laughing has six fingers. But we don't notice all the other times. (laughs) They're, like, kicking back and laughing, and they've got, like, Satan's hands. Yeah, we don't know all the times it's good. And the whole idea is that it's indistinguishable from human creation. So, I I mean, it seems to me like we're probably seeing it a lot more than we think, and we're just not noticing. I don't tend Mm. to read a lot of... I don't know what the word is, indie books and indie fiction. But I imagine that there's a lot of pieces out there that are mostly AI generated and edited by a human that if you're like really big and say the werewolf romance space and you're reading a lot of these things, you might not be able to tell. Granted, I, I don't read a lot of indie fiction, so I'm not sure. Mm. But so Ali and I were talking about this a little earlier. Have you guys heard, or Phoenix, have you heard, that Amazon has recently put in a new rule that says that you can only upload three books a day now because of... Oh, my gosh. I mean, already, that's a huge number, but it's because they're being flooded if, by If AI. you're
2: just naturally writing three books a day, yeah. like, you've already yeah. got questions over the quality. That's an insane Some, output. Something's going on. <laughs> I love how they drew that as the bar, though.
1: I, I know. Only three.
2: Amazon decides a yeah. human can write three books a day but a computer writes four books a day. <laughs> it's very that's,
0: um. Yeah, that's going to affect everyone using AI and oh, what's his name? That one author that writes a ton. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: Stephen King or Brandon Sanderson? They're both Brandon well-known. Sanderson, Brandon yeah. Sanderson.
1: <laughs> anyway, the, the point is that uh, Amazon is already being flooded with AI-generated books, it seems, mm. and this is only going to get more common.
0: Yeah. A fun that's,
2: fact uh, on that. Um, just while we're talking about Amazon is mm. like, it was already very interesting, the self-publishing stats. I remember, so I, I looked this up. So 1.4 million self-published books are published a year on Amazon. Wow. So 1.4 million. Wow. And I couldn't find the exact number for this, but I had read it before. But at one point Amazon was distributing more books in a single year than had ever been published previously in human history so just take a moment to (laughs) let that sink in so by its definition of published (laughs) in a year it's generating more books than all of human timeline books published and that's only growing exponentially
1: it does make me wonder about the value of
2: i mean kind of like
1: the value of new content like if is your like we're all writers and so we want to release new books but why not go to something that's been created in last year on Amazon if there's already like the entire history of human literature there? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Screaming into the void.
2: Yeah.
0: A lot of it, I'm just going to say, a lot of it's not good. That's mm-hmm. just no flat out. I will just say that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that was a stat that was out there before ai started flooding the market so it it has Mm -hmm. to be a huge push for amazon to suddenly be like oh god that's too many books because they were already publishing a lot of books and that's Mm. a lot with a capital a capital l Uh that's
0: so that that's where i've started to come across ai in my sort of day-to-day or when i first started really becoming aware of it was um so I do work on Fiverr and all of a sudden I started having people coming to me saying like, Hey, do you do humanization of text? And I was like,
2: Ooh, what does wow. that even mean? Fascinating. Uh,
0: yeah. There's a whole market on Fiverr now of just people <gasps> that do, um, fact checking is a thing now, which I yeah. refuse to do. I'm like, no, I'm not going to fact check for you. Um, and, uh, humanization, just making sure that it sounds human because ai still has those little corners to it yep humanization of text and this this is this is this is going to be one of the other questions i want to ask you too this is one of the bummers for me we've already touched it but it is the flooding of the market and i feel um yes we're just going to get these little factories that are just you generate text you pay someone to edit it you pump it up on amazon to varying states of quality, because at the end of the day, the people that are making a lot of money off of self-publishing books, uh, most of them are doing it by quantity rather than quality, Mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of putting books out, putting content out, doesn't matter what it is, or it matters what it is, but it doesn't matter how good it is to a certain degree, it's that return, you get a few sales for the thing you didn't Mm -hmm. put much time or money into, and you make some money off of it. So I feel like a big bit of the environment going forward is going to be that distinguishing factor Mm -hmm. that authors can get on their work to say, this is actually, it's a matter of us bringing the cream to the top because there is going to be a lot of noise, um, even more so than before.
1: Also, uh, I I read about this recently and I don't recall specifics or grain of salt, but AI is going to get increasingly good at everything, but also faking human presences and reviews. So we've got this system now Ah, where algorithms mm. are really good at, yeah, right, kind of scary. The whole indie self-pub movement is kind of based on word of mouth in inverted commas because it's online word of mouth. But when Mm. that becomes faked by armies of AIs writing really sophisticated stuff, making um, profiles, it seems like indie publishing online could, the model could be under threat, right? Because you've got lots of people writing, potential trash with ai potentially and then lots of ai Selling leaving lots of you saying like this is the greatest oh piece gosh. of work since melville what happens and maybe it's just going to mean like a big return to more traditional publishing because you can't could. get that past a like a publisher right
0: yeah
2: Yeah, so the interesting thing the Guild um, put forward um, in their words was this idea, so we've probably seen in the news how there's some authors um, suing because they've seen that their Mm. books have been used as feeders into the AI to Mm. train the AI how to spit um, uh, words back. And so it is uh, the, the Guild's putting forward that, anything that is pumped out of an AI must automatically enter public domain and therefore can't be monetized because they can't trace the uh, like the legal chain of the author who 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 has contractual ownership over this work because it's been spat out of the feeder. That's been a mismatch of all these different uncredited authors from thousands of different sources. How do you prove it?
1: How do you prove that a book's AI written?
2: So what they're tr- at least doing on a commercial level, like in, on the indie level, I can see that being really hard, but I, I can speak to mm-hmm. the commercial level is transparency that if an AI tool at any stage, either generation or editing, because I, I would like to split the hairs between those two things later in the conversation, but if it's, mm-hmm. if it's used for either generative or editing you must flag that an ai tool has been used so extreme transparency um and therefore uh it yeah it's public domain can't be monetized and if it can't be a commercial product that's what disincentivizes big businesses corporations the production houses from wanting to use ai because if they're like Mm. we can't make money off this we're just going to do it the old way and pay people to do it because then Mm. we can copyright it and then Mm. we can make money off it so that's what'll stop it at happening that'll that'll stop it happening at the big levels um, mm-hmm. When In- contracts are involved, In- <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but yeah. what's stopping the indie author from, as both of you have pointed out, just the the they're like minimal time, even if this takes me half an hour and I make ten dollars off this, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. then yep. they're going to yep. keep doing it and doing it and just monetizing mm-hmm. that. Um, so something I was talking to Patty about, I think it's really interesting that gate gatekeeping like we use you know quotation marks gatekeeping a little bit when Mm -hmm. we talk about the difference between indie and traditional publishing um that agents and publishers act as gatekeepers to authors getting their work Mm, out there but that that human relationship between the writer and the agent i i'm speculating if that might become more important than ever that you have, it's almost like a verify you're real.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm. In
2: Australia, we have a very, we have a fairly healthy ecosystem of writers being able to approach publishers straight away, uh, and not needing to go through an agent. But if publisher slush piles are just being flooded by AI generated manuscripts, and they don't have the manpower, they don't have the soft infrastructure admin Mm. money to pay someone to go through that slush pile, they're just going to shut their doors and they'll be like, we only take um, recommendations from agents because we know an agent is a human Mm -hmm. and the human, Mm -hmm. and then the agent can verify that the writer is human. Um, So I'm wondering if that two-step gatekeeping might be the solve to that Mm -hmm. um, unfortunate, yeah, situation. I don't like it but it might be what's what stops it
1: yeah it kind of reminds me of um like how the scientific process works right i mean people accuse like scientific academia of being like an ivory tower but it's there to stop like an avalanche of crud people writing papers on like (laughs) this thing that i just came up with is the greatest and here's a study i did with 10 of my friends and you want to gatekeep that because you need like a group expert to say like, well, is it like let's let's actually break this down. So Ooh, I don't know, like yeah, it seems kind of it, like I think there's the natural tendency to think like, oh, gatekeeping, like we don't want that. But when the alternative is a lot of crud, like, <laughs> what's the hmm. alternative?
0: The alternative yeah, I can it- think of is like maybe we also start generating tools that are humanization tools in the sense that they're designed to track human activity on a project in the sense of like mm-hmm. certain modifications of keyboard trackers or copy and paste trackers or things like that to show yeah. like at the time of this document being generated, there was no outside content coming in. Everything that was here was written on the page itself or something oh, like that. Oh, that's interesting. Like,
1: so like using hardware to verify that a human created it. Yeah, a slower to, input wow. into yeah. the document I've, yeah that's I've really fascinating that before
0: <laughs> i mean came, just came to me right now there's gonna be a You've whole
1: solved it phoenix uh, oh, that's really it's kind of fun futurism there's gonna be like if that happens like you can see an arms race of people breaking that and then you know like how do we bypass that and then how do we improve it and but i'm sure that's yeah. already well, happening well that's with, how
2: those little capture tests already work right like the just click yeah. the box It's not tracking the click the box. It's tracking the squiggly mouse movement on your way to clicking the box. And it's your mouse movement across the page verifies you're a human with a jittery hand rather than a bot that just goes click.
1: I also Uh, heard that finding finding all the motorcycles is actually there to train like AI recognition tools on like how to identify a motorcycle from like a five-year-old in the background. (laughs) (laughs) We're all training the AI as we as we try to protect against the ice. I was so once given me... one that
2: was six tiles and it was the back of a bus. The whole picture was a back of a bus and it's click all the tiles with a bus and I'm like, all six tiles are a picture of a back of a bus. What do you want yeah, from You me? win. I'm like second is guessing he... it. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> is it messing with
0: me? Are you telling me all the time that I've proved I'm not a robot? I was just training a robot.
1: This is what I <laughs> hear, but I mean...
0: Oh my gosh.
1: I know, it's an Ouroboros. <laughs> It's oh robots all the way gosh. down. <laughs>
2: uh, but on a, a creative angle to this, uh, thinking about agents and publishers, um, I, I'm interested in the idea of formula and formula storytelling. So,
0: mm. and
2: especially in screenplay, uh, um mm. Formula is really important, and you are rewarded for writing to the formula because there are metrics that sell. Netflix literally tracks when people stop watching at a certain point. If you hadn't haven't hit oh, a certain oh. turning point at a certain oh, yeah. time, like there's data is informing formula and structure a little bit, um, and also to the point where there was this trend with writing your synopsis, submitting it to the agent, submitting it to the publisher that your your synopsis needs to sit in a very strict formula and now I'm watching this trend with AI and what AI will get really good at doing is the formula yeah so so I'm speculating when I'm talking to emerging writers as my day job and they're talking about pitching to agents and publishers I'm saying use your synopsis and now your cover letter to the agent to be as human as possible like I Mm. feel like we're about to enter an era where the the weird quirky stuff that you can put And shape your synopsis and put in your cover letter will stand out and be rewarded against all the authors that Mm. may be using AI to just sharpen up their structure to meet what has been really strict structure tools Mm. um, and expectations to this point. Um, And especially, this is kind of scary, an example that has been shown to me, I don't think it's open to the public yet, but it's this storytelling They're calling it, like, a writer's aid, Um, but what it does, there was literally a drop-down menu where it's, like, pick your genre, and it was, like, romance, Mm -hmm. and then pick down what scale of romance, so you'd be, like, cozy, steamy, or, like, erotic, (laughs) and then it's, like, plug in a few more keywords And then it would like spit out the formula for you as a writer. And then it's like, cool, here's your beat Mm. sheet. Now write to this. And I'm like that, Uh like, it's interesting in Uh a, I see why it's a really good (laughs) beginner's writer's tool. And again, splitting hairs between this idea of generative and editing tools, that generative stuff and watching the formula come out of the machine I think it's really interesting from a beginner's point of view when you're learning the structures, but once you have your work, you have your structure, I feel like what's going to be interesting, what's going to sell, what's going to be rewarded might be the, okay, well, now that you know the rules, you break it. That old idiom Mm -hmm. of knowing the rules, then breaking it will be, um, I guess, where art and creativity will will survive this, what's going to happen commercially in the next couple Mm -hmm. of years.
1: The reason earlier why I said, like, werewolf romance as my example is because I think (laughs) genre writing could be really under threat. I'm not, it's not true that all genre writing is formulaic, but there is certainly formulaic genre writing. And I know, like, with, say, romance... Like people love this stuff and I don't think they necessarily need it to be the best of the genre to read it. It's like, it scratches an itch. The scratching the itch Mm -hmm. is usually like a formulate kind of thing. And they're okay with that. So if I was say a romance writer right now who made their money, let's say writing like several romance books a year. And many of them do. I'd be really worried because this is exactly what as, I mean, like you said, if like you can pick the genre, subgenre. um, keywords that's exactly mm-hmm. what ai is going to do there's also we're assuming now that ai can't do the weird creative stuff and maybe now it can't but i'm interested what you guys think about the possibility of like what happens if ai gets to the point where it can do out of the box it can do really interesting things that we didn't anticipate and like it's tempting to say no that's impossible it can't happen but i feel like for any layman to say that can't happen. I mean, AI is already like it's foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> it's Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: The author, <laughs> the author is smiling while we say that. So I don't know. What do you guys think about <laughs> what happens if AI does yeah. get to the point where it's like, it's like, Whoa, this is damn, this is good.
0: That's, that's what I, so another thing I wanted to ask you guys was, um, are you to like, what, what are you curious to see from AI? And this is one thing that I'm curious mm-hmm. to see is at the moment, like, you know, you put in a prompt and AI is creating something from pieces that already exist. So my, it's going to resemble the pieces that already exist at the mm-hmm. moment. So my, what I'm curious to see is how different can it look from the pieces that already exist? Because yeah. at the end of the day, we're doing the same thing. We're creating things from pieces yeah. that don't exist We're but it's, To me, it feels like a degree in difference from like what we're creating versus the original content sometimes can be a very large logical jump. And that's where this like creative inspiration comes from is it's like this degree of a distance from the original material. It's it's an interesting philosophical
1: question, isn't it?
0: So I'm curious to see what, how big of a logical jump and still be interesting, AI is able to make, um, Mm.
2: yeah. I'm happy to go first. I've got a little bit of a take on this, just from a few different angles. I I love what you're saying, Phoenix, about the idea that 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 is kind of what we do. We we absorb art Mm. our entire Mm -hmm. lives. Um, and when I did the creativity podcast and it's a part of the classes I run when I talk about creativity and how, um, the mind works when it's being creative, it is this, uh, Sense of deorganization. So we mm-hmm. we observe patterns, we observe things, and then when we go away in rumination, we're not actually thinking about it, but uh, the back of our mind does the disorganizing, and it'll re- rearrange the pieces in a new and interesting way, and then it comes to the forefront of our mind again, and that's when we have our aha moments where we're like, "That's something I've never imagined before. Mm-hmm. I, I've never had that image before. I've never read that. I've never experienced that." But it. It's come from, obviously, our lived experience, disorganization, Mm -hmm. rearrange the pieces, then our brain um, gives it back to us. So that's what our lovely brain computers do. Um, So I I love positing, well, can a computer do that? And in theory, Mm -hmm. yes. I, I think in theory, yes, it will get to that part where we won't be able to see the one plus one equals two anymore of AI yeah. because it's such a baby at the moment. It's really easy for us to be like, you've taken that from that. You're using that. And that's how you got that. But um, mm-hmm. the more it does it, uh, we might not be able to see those, lo- the, the working, mm-hmm. we might not be able to see the working mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I. It is interesting though, that I think what will save us commerci- commercially from an AI that gets that good will be the law and the work that the guild is doing now. Um, And it is interesting. This is the words they put out that they're going to stand by and fight for. Um, Creativity and art are fundamentally and exclusively human endeavors. So they've hard line, that's what they're going to draw, that you can only pay a human for this. Uh, There is an interesting example they've done that, say, if you're doing like indie theatre and you get the chatbot to spit out random quotes and then you ask actors to perform those quotes and you actually put on like a bizarre interpretation piece and then you charge an audience tickets to come and see that, Uh, yes, the director, the producers, the actors can all get paid for that, but it's that transparency that the script enters public domain Mm. and no... And you, you say that an AI generated it, um, just a, a way of protecting it. And I, I guess it will always still be a little bit iffy about we don't know what was fed into that machine, so we can't credit the writers. Mm. Anyway, I've already har- harped on about that. But I think that's what will, at least from a commercial angle, because s- I think that we're all worried about it taking jobs at the moment. So it is that mm. that the commercial question, the commercial question. But, yeah, the mm. philosophical question of can... It actually get to that point. I, th- I think it probably will.
0: I think you it get- can, and I think yeah. as I go through this, my assumption is always like, well, assume it can. Like, what are you gonna <laughs> in the future yeah. you're planning for yourself? Just assume it can, and then what yeah. from there? Like, let's say can create on a level indistinguishable from a human creation. It's just like, assume, okay, then what do we want our relationship to it to be from there? Is it mm-hmm. just a matter of like, all right, everyone, like, because honestly, it can be really cool. It could be really useful, but everyone mm-hmm. just needs to yes. be cool about it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't ex- <laughs> don't exploit, which, you know, it's a big ask, unfortunately. Um, you know, pay people well, like, let's all still enjoy this. If AI is being super creative and creating really cool stories, that feels like a cool thing that we could have access to a computer generating something it thinks is cool or whatever, if it thinks in that way, but
1: I can almost promise you there's going to be people listening to you saying that they're going to be very upset by that point of view. <laughs> the idea that like,
0: we should <laughs> yeah.
1: embrace the idea of AI creation. Cause some people really, I'm not even saying wrongly, but some people really reject that. And like, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. Like give no quarter the idea that we should relinquish any human control of creativity to AI mm. is which know, I'm not saying they're wrong. It's it's another opinion, but
2: no. But I guess for me, I hear those voices, and I understand it's important because we're we're fighting for the economics of it now. So some mm-hmm. s- hard lines need to be drawn if you're going to win that yeah. legislative argument.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: but I, I I do fundamentally think it's also a, the definition of a conservative point of view to try and put it back in the box. And I guess mm-hmm. I always like to think of myself. As a progressive, um, just not even labelling those as political parties, but are you a conservative? Are you a progressive? And um, trying to halt things as they are, resist it, put the robot back in the box, um, that that feels conservative to me. So it's kind of like it's here, what's the best way forwards? Um, I- a- another small anecdote I want to share is I, I read a really interesting article that a writer I was working with studied a man who made a theatre show that used all these automatons um, and they it was basically just putting the robots on, dance, uh, on a stage and making them dance and the study of why humans are so fascinated with the first thing we did when we had automatons was we wanted to see if they could replicate dancers. We wanted to see if they mm. could replicate actors and we're fascinated by that and what it can do. And so I'm wondering if this is just another era of making the robot dance. It is something we have Mm. always done with our technology. As soon as we have a new robot, we're like, put it on a stage, make the Mm. robot dance. So I think we're doing that. We're trying to work out its limitations. Um, And it's okay to embrace that little, the excitement we get for making the robot dance. But after a while, we have always realized it is a fad. Automatons have not replaced our actors. (laughs) Not all Mm. our theater Mm. shows are automatons. So no. I think the robot may go back in the will find its place. And I hope that riders get to be the ones to decide how these AI tools are useful for us moving forward.
1: I hope so. Yeah. I think one way things could go is like you know how there's um Etsy, and Etsy is a marketplace mm-hmm. for craftspeople. You you pay more for like a wooden-carved duck rather than an IKEA duck because something about the idea mm-hmm. of the person sitting at home. Lovingly carving these ducks is intrinsically worth more to you. The moment you know it's mass produced mm-hmm. by IKEA, it cheapens it. So that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Sometimes I wonder to what extent. So right now we've got like almost the revulsion of AI, not all of us, but like AI-generated art and AI-generated creativity. What happens if a generation grows up in a world where AI generated creativity is the norm and they're awash with Mm AI-generated images. Like the first generation to grow up and just think like, of course that's generated by an AI. Like, why are you even asking that? Mm. Would it cease to Mm. matter to them? How How much is the importance for us that these things are created by a human? How much of that is actually cultural? And if it is cultural and like there is a generation that lets go of that, Well, that's interesting. Like the idea that our our ancestors created things, but like we don't, that feels quaint and that feels backward. That feels pessimistic, but I I don't know. That seems really plausible to me. And maybe there'll always be like the market for the Etsy. Like people want like, yeah, this is a book written by a person. Can you imagine sitting down and writing an entire book? (laughs) That might be like the little corner of, you know, the market
0: i've thought of that too um i uh, so one one thought that has been like a really interesting one for me is like in this topic of humanization of text the humanization of text comes from two angles because there's one angle that we need to make the ai sound like a human Mm -hmm. the other end is humans getting used to ai sounding things and if that becomes what we adapt to suddenly we meet on this middle ground where there's no whatever that's possible as well although that's like that's a sci-fi projection that's like just some fun speculative thought
1: do you guys remember when auto-tune came out and then there are all these singers that started to sing like auto-tune like because auto-tune became the norm and people became used to it like to go oh suddenly became like a stylistic <laughs> thing. I think you've like, I can totally see that happen. Like people it's writing possible. to sound like AI because like, well, oh, yeah, already the way the internet talks.
2: seeing this. So mm. I really don't like the TikTok trend of advertising books with tropes. Uh, maybe you guys mm. have seen it where it's like what is enemies that? to lovers is really the popular one, or there's only one bed. Um, and so they'll, they'll just put these headline tropes up and sell the book. So then what writers start doing, they're like, I'll just write a book to that formula because people mm-hmm. are buying it just for the trope. If you're like, uh, you yeah, want of yeah. Enemies to Lovers? I will write an Enemies to Lovers without yeah. any more kind of creative thought than that. And someone put it into, I'm like, why am I butting up against this? Why don't I like this? Why am I being an old crotchety millennial? I needed to go because, and talk to a Gen Z for them to point it out to me.
1: It's creatively cheap, even if it's like marketably successful. Yeah, it's, it's kind of artistically they, empty.
2: It is, and they highlighted for me that that's how they used to use the tags on fan fiction online, where if someone wrote a fanfic of something and then the tag they would use would be enemies to lovers, there's only one bed. And so kind of that fan fiction lingo has now broken through into how publishers Big, the big five publishing houses are now advertising their books, and how writers are now writing their books all started with fan th- these fan fiction tags. So that that sounds like the same thing you were describing to before, Patty, about the auto tune. Is it's kind of like this? Yeah, it is a technology came first, and then we've adjusted our culture and approach to the art based on that that got popular, and that that just kind of blew my mind. A little bit that i'm like it's yeah. it's just fan fiction coming full circle because now all the 13 year olds 20 years ago are now the writers <laughs> being published <laughs> today <laughs> you
1: know Karl Marx said all history is driven by changes in material circumstances and i don't know when we talk about stuff like this like yeah maybe it's it's all material circumstances that, that changes things um this is suddenly <laughs> I don't know. It's a brave new world and it's whatever happens it's going to be really really interesting to see. Like the the sci-fi nerd in me is like yeah. this is going to get weird, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> good or bad. It's as a counter to real the weird.
2: AI <laughs> as a counter to the AI putting out um good creativity or good writing. Have you guys mm. heard of the the official word is model autograph I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Model Autophagy. No, that's not how you say it. Auto. Autophagy? Anyway, it stands for mad.
0: Oh, yeah. Say it again. Autophagy. I don't know.
2: Yes. Uh, yes. Autophagy. Autophagy. Model autophagy disorder. There we go. Use that one in your mm. edit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it stands for mad. Basically, it's this idea that there's only so much. Okay. So it feeds. You feed into the AI machine. Uh, to generate its inputs and then the AI machine starts using its own outputs to feed back into itself Uh, and starts to cannibalize itself and still it until it just distills down into this slurry of nothing yeah Um, cultural gruel cultural gruel Mm -hmm. so that's (laughs) you know spicy take from alley that's what i think fan fiction is a little bit um but it could because it is this cannibalizing on the same source material down and down 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 um and the idea of tropes that's how we're using tropes if we're advertising with those tropes but then we write to those tropes it's the distillation of creativity down to Mm -hmm. the bare bones and we yeah this idea that AI images, we see it in the graphics that it's starting to use other AI-generated graphics to create new AI graphics, and it's mm. it's just going to eat itself to death, and this will only exponentially get faster and faster this cycle unless they can put new originality fed into it, to, to stop it eating itself to death. Mm. Um, so that posits that the human's disorganization and pure creativity will be fundamentally important to the AI machine, not mm. cannibalizing its own creativity to death. Mm. <laughs> that makes
0: sense. It does, it does make sense. That's where I kind of landed on the point I was bringing up before around like that logical jump humans can make, that sort of inspiration that takes something mm. that's like completely irrelevant seemingly and creating something that feels like more or less completely new, Mm -hmm. even if it is like it's it's this fine-grained blending down of information that gets built up into something that's like fully distinct, more or less. But you can argue it as a degree of a jump from where it came from. Um the thing that I that made me think about that was a while ago, um an acquaintance of mine, I was telling them about my book idea and they're like, oh, have you considered using AI for it? I'm like, I have not I actually have zero no. interest in that that yeah. feels just whatever yeah he plugged my without consent but it went fine but he plugged my the basis that I had talked about into an AI tool and read back the synopsis and I was so uninterested in the synopsis mm-hmm. I was like I've heard that story before my story mm-hmm. is like so different yeah. from that like it's that's, that's doing things that I've heard before. Mine is doing things I've never heard before. So it's this feeling of like, oh, at the end of the day, it could only create something new from large pieces it already had. And so it was that feeling yeah. of essential, like there's an essential piece that humans are still playing in this. And the thing that scares me, it's not even like fear. It's just kind of a bummer to me. The only thing that really gets me down about ai creation and like and like what i was saying before if robots if computers get really good at generating material and it's actually interesting to read i'm i'm okay with that like the thing that bums me out is the the noise and the watering down i don't Mm -hmm. want things to lose meaning so it's like Mm -hmm. if people are just like oh we can make a book in 30 minutes let's do it and it's just like this sea of noise and meaninglessness that's such a bummer to me as well as like with um ai generated images it's like if it takes meaning out of what because people are flooding the world with all these images that are computer generated it starts to take meaning away from people that are actually harnessing this skill to create this image and it's just that's the thing that's a bummer to me but if and it, it i don't know so yeah, it, that- if yeah
2: Yeah, and I was going to say a position I found myself in the other day was actually advocating for the fact that writers like writing. And I didn't think that was a controversial take until I kind of had to say it out loud, because I think there's some producers and then some tech people who are making these tools who go, writing takes a really long time. We can make life really easy for them. Uh, Mm. We can save producers some money by speeding up the whole process, by inventing these AI tools that help the generative process. And I I think there's a lot of rhetoric around writers complaining about how hard writing is, how writing does take a long time, (laughs) how it can be soul crushing. But then we have to be like, okay, we've been complaining for a long time, but we we write and we do it the long way because we actually do like it and -hmm. it's fun. I I had a producer kind of hyping how exciting it'll be. He's like, you can use this tool. It'll speed things up. And I'm sitting there being like, oh, but I wanted to write the screenplay. Can I still do that bit? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like a weird stance to be arguing from. Um, But it, So this is where I wanted to talk about, I think we've still got time, the difference between that's generative AI, the first draft, and they're Mm -hmm. already running into the legislations coming for them that you can't use the tools on a first draft. It's going to be public domain. And then tools that are more the editing. And I can see AI Mm -hmm. tools actually being incredibly useful and potentially the future of AI tools in writing in the editing process. So letting Mm -hmm. writers still do the first draft, the generation, the thing that can be copyrighted, the thing that's new and exciting and breaks rules. Um, But then we've already got things like Gremly, you can argue, Mm. is an AI. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. Pro-writing aid, even more so, because that'll suggest a whole sentence about how to reword a sentence if you've written kind of a funky sentence so so that's ai and i think writers um will want to use that they want the help in the editing process not the first draft process Mm -hmm. you guys have similar instincts around that
0: Mm, yeah the thing that's there's the area i've been thinking about like where I, I could see something being fully replaced by AI eventually is copy editing, where it's just grammar rules, full punctuation and grammar. Like it's like feed it into an AI, have it done in a few seconds. That makes sense to me. It's like, okay, I can let that one go. Like I could see that um, mm-hmm. at the moment using Grammarly and things like that, like going through a manuscript, there are times where the the thing that I feel that's interesting to me is there is an art to punctuation yeah. as well like mm-hmm. there are times there, mm. there are times where it's like do you put a comma here or do you put a comma here and the answer yeah. is actually both are correct it's a creative decision, either, and it's a it's, creative decision yeah there's
1: not always a like a, a rule for stuff like that it's yeah you know, an ai can't teach you taste <laughs> and i can't teach you <laughs> there are times like, where
0: it's like do you use a dash or do you use a semicolon i'm like both yeah. are correct but a dash yeah. is better here like yeah. it's yeah
1: and that's why I say yes and no with the editing thing. Like on one level, like yeah, there's only one correct spelling of a certain word in a certain like language, mm-hmm. unless you're going UK US. But that's even. Though... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but editing is also essentially creative. You know, I, I was actually thinking, like, yeah, of course, AI to an extent is going to be able to to uh, replace a lot of copy editing, but the, you know, there's the comma issue but also there Hmm. there is the issue of overall taste. So, I mean, Phoenix, you're an editor. Like when I was thinking about (laughs) this whole topic today, I was thinking like, well, of all of us, maybe your profession is the most protected because ultimately what AI generated content is always going to need is human oversight. Is a human to Hmm. look at it and say like, my human brain thinks this is good. My human brain thinks these changes should be made. Like an AI can't, Mm -hmm presumably shouldn't if you're a company or whatever that cares about the output of your stuff, you can't rely on the computer to be the final checker. You you need the human to mm. make sure it's the final checker, and make sure it hasn't said something insane and racist or to make sure it hasn't yeah. put out <laughs> gibberish. So hopefully we're always the final, if nothing else, like the final gatekeepers of what comes out of the machine. I, I wouldn't ever yeah. want to trust the AI all the way through for anything i put out
0: at the moment it's uh it would it's producing a spike of work for editors because people do at the moment as things are going yeah it's true but you never know like what the next step's going to be but yeah
1: why do you want to say no to things like humanizing work and fact-checking is it because i mean fact-checking i i guess because you're encouraging like gross false information coming into the world right
0: yeah yeah fact checking just has no interest to me that's not my job i don't want to do that for people mm-hmm. um and as well as that's very disheartening to me it's like if you don't know the facts that you're writing down my stances you know yeah. write the work like do do the yeah. work uh humanization i don't have much of a problem with for me it's mostly just like i'm still figuring out how i feel about ai and its role in the world so i'm kind of just it's a stand back sort of thing i'm just kind of waiting to see how i feel and then i'll come forward with something if i want to do something um yep i lost my train of thought but that was was more or less it (laughs) i guess one one closing remark i would like to make and it's off kind of what if you said ellie around like creativity is human domain more or less um at the end of the day in my point of view, AI can never replace what we're doing because at the end of the day, we do create things to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. So the difference between someone, you know, getting inspiration and creating something and wanting to share it, the reason the the desire for someone else to read that is it's a human connection. It's sharing our psyche with each other. It's sharing our worlds with each other and it's sharing something. It's a conversation we had with ourselves that someone else was interested to read. And the difference... The contrast that with someone pumping out a bunch of material to make $10 off of 30 minutes of work, that's not a human connection. That's someone that wanted to make money. And there's a distinct priceless appeal between the two. And that can never actually be replaced. So at the end of the day, it's just, you know, keep in mind what is important and keep in mind what you, don't you know, just what we're looking for and everything's fine.
1: That was beautifully said, Fadix. Were you reading that from a screen? Because that was like, oh, oh, like a a human tear rolling down my human cheek.
0: That was AI generated. (laughs)
2: Uh, No, (laughs) No, that was not not
0: AI generated. That'd be so sad.
2: (laughs) Um, Because I'll I'll keep this. It's brief, but I am working on a screenplay at the moment. That's an adaptation of a short story that was written over a hundred years ago, um, and I'm doing a modern interpretation of it. And I I was getting a bit stuck on a scene. I literally needed to write today, so I went back to the source material to kind of get inspired. So it, it's a public domain piece because it's mm. um so. And I was reading the dialogue, and I'm like, I can take this dialogue, feed it into my adaptation. And it's kind of the art of the adaptation and finding my own take. But knowing these words existed from another artist 100 years ago and how mm. to handle those uh, uh, words that had been given to us and then, you know, funnel through me and then put out into the world. And and that is about that, that human, that sharing. It is how we will preserve and celebrate culture. It is how we create human empathy and walk in other people's shoes. Um, Mm -hmm. is almost, for me, the the most important reason of why we tell story and consume story. So I don't think I would have that same warm and fuzzy feeling I had today with my adaptation if I knew the material I was processing to then put out into the world. Like, could I be inspired by something that's computer-driven? There there seemed like Mm -hmm. such such a fundamental part of what was inspiring me to write was that I knew someone had written this 100 years ago. So. This is yeah. me just saying, yes, Phoenix. Well done. That was <laughs>
0: <laughs> the difference between generating content and writing poetry. It's like it's not about like how long did it take you to put the words on the page. It's I had a feeling and I just wanted to write it mm. down. Mm. And I don't know. Well said. From there, we'll close with a quote. Uh, Patty, I think you have a quote for us today.
1: I don't have a quote so much as the machine overlord has a quote. Before <laughs> before we started, I typed into chat GTP. <clears throat> hello, could you please, cre- I say hello to robots. Hello, could you please create a quote for us about AI written in a literary form? And this is what it came up with. And I kind of want to throw it into my lap when reading it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little reassuring, I think. Well, make up your own mind. In the realm of ones and zeros, where electrons dance in binary ballet, artificial intelligence emerges as the modern Prometheus, breathing life into, our, into the machinery of our imaginations—a digital muse inspiring the poetry of progress. And that's just the most corporate video thing I've ever
2: read. So <laughs> yeah. AI does that's that a well.
0: Bit, bit like. Calm, calm down
2: <laughs> like an insurance ad. You, you'll be like i've got notes i've got notes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> thank you chat gpt yeah.
0: thank you chat gpt um that's gonna do it for us today uh and then ali do we do have uh we do have an audiobook coming up but ali do you want to talk about that really quick
2: yes an audiobook recorded by real humans uh coming mm-hmm. out <laughs> Um, coming soon we don't have a date for you yet but it is exciting that the new mythic audiobook is fully recorded Um, I have a husband downstairs who's putting it the final checks on the final files as we speak Uh, that one's going to be coming out on audible so you'll be able to find Mm -hmm. that very very soon Um, and we can't wait to be in your ear holes even more than we already are
1: yeah. And, <laughs> and we do have the legendary Rupert Degas who if you've ever listened to The Name of the Wind on audiobook which is so good this guy yeah, he's probably the best one of the best I've ever heard and we've managed to get him on our audiobook reading one of our stories so if you know that guy or you're interested check our audiobook and listen to some of his beautiful beautiful work on The Stolen Sword it's it's really something
0: yeah no, Rupert Degas as well as like and we have it's it's a whole cast of very talented voice actors and actresses. Like oh my gosh. Like there there have been moments where I've been like, I could do voice acting, and then I yeah. hear people like this. I'm like, oh, it's like a whole yeah. art, isn't it? Like it's a whole <laughs> skill. That's there's there's mine and then there's this. This is yeah. a whole other level.
2: <laughs> I love that we're fangirling over the audio book because we've invited yeah. these other creators into our work and now we get to experience it at that slightly distancing level and we're like oh my god that's so cool yeah (laughs)
0: yeah yeah it is well thank you for listening to pros and cons yet again and um yeah we'll talk to you next time that's gonna do it see you later see you next week You're listening to Pros and Cons, the Pressmas Fiction Podcast.